Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I am your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to our generous underwriters on Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, February 3rd, we are studying John chapter 6, verses 52 to 59. Though Jesus' words have caused grumbling and dispute among his hearers, Jesus continues to teach. He teaches that those who would have eternal life must feed on his flesh and drink his blood. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's word today, we have this regular guest, Pastor David Boisclair. Pastor Boisclair serves at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri. Pastor Boisclair, welcome back to Sharp Iron. Oh, it's always great to be here. I got a lot of sharpening to do. All right. This is a fantastic chapter, Pastor Boisclair. We've really been slowing down here in John chapter 6 because there is so much from Jesus to take in. Give us some context. What should we keep in mind as we read these verses from John chapter 6 today? Yes. Um, Jesus uh, wants to be clear uh, uh, with the with the Jews uh, that are that are disputing with him that um, um, you know they that that they have the wrong idea perhaps about what the ministry of the Messiah or or what exactly is involved. Uh, obviously, uh, he's coming coming out of a, uh, the feeding of the five thousand. After which, you know, he had to he withdrew from them because he sensed that they were going to make him king. Uh, because they uh, wanted wanted him to satisfy their their uh, physical needs, uh, you know, their hunger needs, you might say. And this is this, of course, is a period of time in history where it's sort of a subsistence in uh, uh, society or or culture where you know you were always living hand to mouth uh, from paycheck, uh, you know, maybe from a cup <laughs> paycheck to paycheck, and um, and and they they were um, of course they wanted. To, him to show them a sign that he that he was uh, the Messiah, or, or you know, maybe they were just hungry too. That that's kind of an idea too. It's time to eat now. Uh, let's uh, make uh, uh, some more uh, bread. Uh, let's make some more uh, food. Let's uh, multiply bread uh, bread and fish in the same way as you have done. And then and then of course Jesus uh, is is trying to get them to see that there is a spiritual. I mean, be careful with that word. Dimension to our life with God. Mm. Yeah, we want to be careful with our our terms that we use. Today's text really, I mean, he's been building on everything that he's saying. And so he he really starts to to get to his his grand conclusion, I think, in today's text, as each time he he builds more and more on what's been happening. He's talked about the, you know, he is the bread of life. And then he said the bread that he will give for the world is his flesh. And now he's going to talk even more about him eating of this bread, eating of this flesh of the Son of Man, and drinking his blood, which gives us an opportunity to, to think more about what is Jesus talking about? How does it relate to our lives as a, a Christians and, and within the church as well? Maybe some connections that we can draw with the Lord's Supper, and then maybe where we, we want to be careful about that as well. There's some church history that we can, can consider in all of that. So we're looking today 
at John 6, beginning at verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. That's our text for today. That is John 6, verses 52 to 59. Pastor Boyce Claire, before we start looking at Jesus' words in this particular section, I'm curious on your thoughts on verse 52 where it says the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? And I, as I was preparing for our conversation, what I noticed when it says the Jews disputed among themselves, I was wondering if, if that would indicate to us that some are believing Jesus' words and some are not believing Jesus' words, and that's the dispute, or whether it's a dispute among this is why he's wrong. No, this is why he's wrong. Do you have any thoughts on on the disputing that's happening among the Jews there in verse 52? I think that's a good insight and it could be all of the above. I'm I'm kind of a I'm kind of a lumper rather than a splinter. <laughs> uh sort of you know they 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 grumbled of course this kind of takes for, forward how they were grumbling and and so on. And and I'm sure Jesus could sense that that they were kind of getting restless and at least in their in their thoughts and and what they were saying. And and I I really think that that may be true. Uh maybe they were maybe uh, well, we're talking about not the disciples. Uh, the disciples weren't joining in this discussion, probably. But um, uh, it, it was—I I think it—it it was just uh, the things that he was saying was really um, blowing their minds. And then he—then what does he do? He—he'll double down on that. That's you know, right. he'll double double down. Okay, you think? You know, it's co- sort of like he—he—he he, he says, uh, you know, he said to Nathaniel. You know, are you are you surprised that I when I told you that uh, you're sitting under a fig tree before Philip called you, uh, uh, you will see, uh, uh, you know, the angels of God walking up and down the Son of Man. You know, so he's doubling down here. But uh, yeah, I think that's a very good interpretation of this passage. That that perhaps they were, you know, that that's kind of like in the way of of people knowing uh, Judaism or or maybe the Jews. Um, you know, if they've seen any Jewish culture films. You know, they they like to argue, uh, you know, just discuss and 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 with one another. So they were they're no different in the first century than they are in the 21st century. And, and in this particular case, obviously, um, you know, there 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 is there there again there there probably is some disagreement. At, at least maybe some believe in him, uh, or uh, they they have different takes on on what he says. 
Right. So this this dispute continues. And as you pointed out, Jesus, every time he faces a dispute or a question, he really does double down. You brought up Nathaniel. I think you could think about Nicodemus later in chapter three, where you know, he doesn't get it. And, and Jesus just out and out questions him, like, how are you a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things? And here in John chapter six, we've, we've really seen as we've, again, slowed down through this chapter, that every time Jesus comes upon a question of what he's talking about or, or you know, a dispute or a grumbling, that he really just kind of ups the ante every time, and he continues to teach even more. He builds on what he's been teaching. Now, before we see how, how he builds on what he's been teaching, talk about the, their dispute. John tells us that the question they're asking is, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What What is it that they have in mind? What do they think Jesus is teaching based on that question? Well, I, I think uh, is cannibal, cannibalism. Um, you know, and what, what's rather interesting is among, in the first century, the Romans thought that Christians were cannibals mm. uh, because of the reality of, of um, uh Christ giving his body and blood in the Lord's Supper. It, it's uh, he, we really eat him and drink his his eat his body and drink his blood with the consecrated bread and wine. And and they're saying we're eating his his flesh. And so that that and it's it's kind of like an idea that this was. Um, you know, offensive in in a uh, in, in a religious sense that they that, that they were taking offense at, at what he was saying, and and um, you know, cannibalism was something that was very abhorrent. Uh, you know, it's interesting in in um, the first century uh, there was a, a fellow by the name of Petronius who was a uh, uh, courtier of, of Nero, and he wrote a book called the Satyricon. And, and at the end of the Satyricon, there's a character in the story who dies, and and he's very wealthy. And he says that his per, the persons who will uh, inherit his his vast money have to make a meal of him of of his dead oh. body. And 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 you know, I mean, it, it, that's that's something that that that's pretty much. Uh, and then then of course, drinking blood. Mm. You know that's that's even that that even compounds it perhaps because uh, in in the Old Testament it says that you are not supposed to eat blood although it never says that it's an abomination. Hmm. It's interesting. So I mean they they seem to have in mind some sort of cannibalistic way of thinking that that's what Jesus has in in mind when he's talking about eating his flesh and they are abhorred by that idea as you brought out the concept in the old testament of not eating the blood this was commanded by god that's i think that's part of where jesus is doubling down here that he brings that up now after they've objected to the eating of his flesh he's going to talk about drinking his blood and that just is going to open their eyes and in, in horror potentially even more so we see how he continues to stand firm on the truth they've got in mind some kind of cannibalistic eating. Sometimes in, in theological works, you'll see the the term, and I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Pastor Boyce-Claire, capernetic eating. Exactly. Is that right? Exactly. That's exactly how it's pronounced, yes. And, and it's so, in go our, ahead. Tell us what that yeah, means. In, in our, in, in our um, uh, Book of Concord, it, we, we deny a capernetic eating. Uh, this, uh, this was taking place in a uh, synagogue in the city of Capernaum, and uh, and as as we see at the end of the, our text today, that this took place in the synagogue at Capernaum, and so th- th- that was the these 
people's misunderstanding of what Jesus was saying, that 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 is a cannibalistic uh, eating. That's what capernitic. But it comes from the fact that this was uh, this was a misconception that took place in the course of what Jesus was saying in the synagogue in kept in Capernaum and Capernitic. It, it's that's exactly uh, the pronunciation of it. And, and, and that's, you know, in other words, when in our, in our confessions, when we, when we talk about our belief in eating the true body and blood of our Lord with our mouth uh, in the Holy Sacrament, you know, we, we reject such an understanding. We reject such a false teaching about Jesus' words. Right. So it's not a cannibalistic sort of eating that is happening in the sacrament, but rather an eating of his true body and blood in a sacramental way, that it is, in fact, his true body and blood, which we receive into our mouths, and yet not in the, a cannibalistic way, but again, a, a sacramental way, in a way that is true and real, even if we can't put our finger on exactly how it happens, we know that it, it is true that we do eat his very body and blood in the Lord's Supper. Now, maybe we should just go ahead and, and head that direction in our conversation right now, Pastor Boyce Claire, because it, it comes up in connection with this text. And I think especially in this part of John 6, that where are we talking about the Lord's Supper? Where are we not talking about the Lord's Supper here? Because it, it I mean, we're talking about it right now, you and I are, and it, we kind of can't help it. But is is that what Jesus is talking about primarily? Is that what Jesus is talking about only? How Help us into that conversation. How are we to understand Jesus' words in this text in relationship to the sacrament of the altar? Well, I, I wouldn't say either exclusively or primarily, but obviously, the, um, you know, that's kind of the way with John. He, he talks about water a lot, being born of water in the spirit. I mean, with uh, Nicodemus. So he's talking about the sacraments or, or sometimes it's pointed out when, you know, the marriage of Cana, where he makes uh, that fine wine, you know, that that's part of the, uh, the, the Lord's supper as well. Uh, I, I would say that what I believe there in the Lord's supper, you have two eating, two types of eating that are going on. Uh, you mentioned the one of sacramental eating, then we can talk about spiritual eating okay what is spiritual eating well that's faith and and of course it's faith that receives christ and his forgiveness and it it and it and there's a comparison here some point i say it's a metaphor uh that that he's saying believing in me is like eating my body and or my flesh and drinking my blood and and you know i wanted to point out that 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 word that's used in greek trogue Trogain is kind of a word that's used for uh, gnawing or you know ch- uh, munching on on him, you know, like that. It's it's it, it, so Jesus, as I said, is really really doubling down on 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 the the graphicness of of this type of speech. It, it's it's radical to in order for people to understand how important it is for them to uh, come to him. You know, he he who comes to me shall not hunger. He be- who believes in me shall not thirst. And and so, uh, you know, this is talking about spiritual eating, which should be a part of, of uh, you know, our, our Lord's Supper uh, participation. But obviously there is also the sacramental eating and drinking of his body and blood by, by our mouths. 
Okay, and so the the reason that this is important, I think, as to how we understand this text and and how much do we want to talk about the Lord's Supper here or not, I think I think it's important for a couple of of reasons. You know, just as an example, why we we might say that this isn't only about the Lord's Supper. In that very first verse of what Jesus says in our section for today, Jesus says, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now, for us as Christians, we would hear those words, and we're going to think about, I, th- I think we just can't help it, we're going to think about how the Lord's Supper, by giving us the body and blood of Jesus, does bestow his life upon us. I, I, you have to think about that. At the same time, the way Jesus speaks there very exclusively, unless you eat and drink, you have no life— Well, we know from other passages that are very clearly about the Lord's Supper, where Jesus is either instituting his his supper or Paul is explaining the teaching concerning the Lord's Supper. We know from those passages that the way that a person is saved is through faith, faith which clings to the gifts, but sometimes that person may not have an had an opportunity to receive the Lord's Supper. So our our children who are baptized, who have not yet been taught and they're not receiving the Lord's Supper— even though they've not partaken of the body and blood of Jesus in that way, we would certainly say that they have life in them because they they trust in the promises of God. And so for that reason, a, a verse like, say, verse 53, we're going to understand that not only about the Lord's Supper, but about that faith, which is the eating and drinking of, of Christ in this context. Yes, and, and even with baptism— you know, you have Mark 16, uh, that's where Jesus says, uh, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. So, you know, there is there is a scenario in which a person may be uh, saved or have life in them even without baptism. But obviously, as, as one of my uh, professors at seminary used to say, not without the word. You know, the word is absolutely necessary. You know, that's how that's how faith comes. Uh, but, you know, in, in the sense of the sacraments, of course, he, he gives the same forgiveness and life. And, and, it's, and, and then, you know, it should be done in faith or in the case of baptism, that baptism is where the Holy Spirit through that baptism gener- or generates faith. And so and, and so I think you can look at it. You also have a situation where, um, you know, in our tradition uh, with uh, the doctrine of the Lord's doctrine and practice of the Lord's Supper, we, we say that uh, the Lord's Supper is not a necessity. At least that's kind of the practice, although there might be Christians who will say to you, Pastor, um, you know, I, I, I must have the Lord's Supper. You know, and, 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 and for them, it might be a necessity. But like in, in the church, uh, it, it is only, uh, you know, St. Paul warns us that we should um, uh, partake of, of his supper uh, if we um, have examined ourselves and, uh, and, and we're in the faith. Mm. So just, I mean, thinking about, again, this, this conversation more in the larger sense, when we think about those passages in the scriptures that teach us about the Lord's Supper— we should start with those passages that are very clearly about the Lord's Supper, where, where we know that that is what Jesus is doing or talking about, and then work our way out from there to passages like this, where we can't help but hear the echoes, but 
But we're not, you know, this isn't, for example, this isn't Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper. When we think about where are we going to start when we think about what does the Scripture teach about the Lord's Supper, we're going to start with those texts where the words of Christ are given from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and St. Paul, where we get those words, Jesus taking the bread, breaking it, giving thanks, giving it, and saying, this is my body. And then in like manner, after the supper, he gives the cup. This is my blood of the New Testament poured out, given, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Those are the texts where we start when we want to talk about the Lord's Supper. And then based on those very clear texts, we go to a text like this, which it's not unclear by any means, but we're going to let those very clear certain passages interpret this one rather than the other way around. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, you know, you, you need to uh, get your understanding and doctrine or teaching from the passages specifically, uh, you know, the words of institution or, or St. Paul's teaching in it in first uh, Corinthians uh, uh, chapter 11, uh, you know, where, where he talks about, uh, you know, eating and drinking worthily or unworthily. Um, and, but 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 obviously it's all tied together because it's connected to our Lord Jesus Christ. But I think that's that's a very important point that you're making. That you know when we want to talk about Lord's Supper, we start there, and and that's and we pretty much have have uh, all of it there. But you have here, you know, a, a, as you said, an echo, uh, you know, or, or a, a reflection of 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 that type of teaching that's going on there. Right. I mean, when you hear Jesus talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, as as Christians who know the totality of Jesus' teaching from the scriptures, you just can't help but hear those words about the Lord's Supper and and take these words then and, and think about, okay, how does the Lord's Supper accomplish this to give me this life that Jesus is talking about, but not to the effect then that you let this text sort of run the show, if I can put it that way. Another example of of that, I think, from this text, just to think about in verse 56, where Jesus says, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him, which again, for the Christian, this is a wonderful promise for us to think about with the Lord's Supper, that when we receive the body and blood of Jesus into our mouths, that's him coming to live with us and, and we live with him. But we also know from, again, texts like 1 Corinthians 11, that there is an unworthy eating and drinking of Christ's body and blood, one that when we receive the body and blood of Jesus into our mouths, but we do so without faith, that brings judgment upon us. And so, again, we want to let that very clear passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul is talking about this is how you come to the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner. We want to let that inform the way we read what Jesus is saying here so that we don't kind of get the idea, oh, well, anyone who partakes of communion, no matter what their faith is, they're great. That's that's certainly not the way to to put those two passages together. Right. And and as pastors, it is we are charged with the responsibility by the Lord that we are to uh, give give out you know, his uh, means of grace, his word and sacrament, you know, law gospel and uh, baptism in the Lord's Supper as, as we are, are, you know, 
our, you know, our study, of course, and our, our tra- training, of course, help us to do that. But, but we are like the, uh, the head of the family at the dinner table in the, in, in maybe times past, we would apportion, um, you know, the food as, as needed. And, and, uh, you know, when we are pastors and, and we, and someone, uh, w- wants to receive communion and that person is not, uh, pr- properly uh, instructed or, or they are not repentant or, you know, they, they live in open and manifest sin or something like that, you know, it behooves us uh, on the basis of our, uh, our ministry, our, our, what the Lord has uh, given us to do, that we must uh, withhold it from them. Right, because we want those who receive that gift to receive the benefits, and the benefits are received through faith. So if I can try to, to summarize kind of what we've been talking about here, Pastor Boyce-Claire, when we think about this text and its relationship to the Lord's Supper, first and foremost, it seems that here in John 6, Jesus is speaking about the eating and drinking that is faith. So to to eat his flesh and to drink his blood is, in this context, first and foremost, faith. We receive him by believing his words. And when we receive him in that way, we receive all of the benefits that are described here, the eternal life that he he speaks about, the abiding in him and him abiding in us. That's the, the primary thing that's happening in John 6. With that in mind, then, as we think about these words in relationship to the Lord's Supper, we also see from this text how the Lord's Supper does benefit us through faith, so that when we partake of the body and blood of Jesus in the Holy Supper, and we do so in faith, then we receive all the benefits that Jesus mentions here. Is that a, is that a fair way to summarize what we've been talking about? I, I think it's a perfect way of doing so. It's it's uh, it, it's very accurate. Yes, thank you. Okay, so we're not gonna we're not gonna totally throw the Lord's Supper out the window here from John six. We're gonna see how this text does inform our teaching of the Lord's Supper that we would receive it in faith in Christ, who is the bread of life for us, who gives his flesh and his blood to give us that eternal life, not only now, but on the last day. With that foundation in mind, we're going to go ahead and take our break and come back on the other side and dig into Jesus' words here in great detail. So, you're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We're talking John 6 with Pastor David Boisclair. We'll be right back. Please stick around. Did you know that Lutherans are helping new American immigrants get settled? How about struggling church workers in need of support and refreshment? And we assist at-risk children and provide disaster response to hurricane victims. Through LCMS recognized service organizations, we are doing all this and more. I'm Rahema Kavuga of Lutheran Church Extension Fund, and I don't want you to miss out on hearing what your brothers and sisters in Christ are up to. Visit interesttime.org to see how your support gives life to these works of mercy and love. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, February 3rd. We're studying John chapter 6, verses 52 to 59 with Pastor David Boisclair. 
He serves at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, Missouri. Pastor Boyce Claire, prior to the break, we were talking about this text in relationship to the Lord's Supper. We're going to understand this primarily as the matter of faith. To eat and drink is to receive Jesus by faith, and then also see how that does apply to what the Scriptures teach us about the Lord's Supper and the benefits we receive from receiving the body and blood of Jesus in the Supper through faith. So with that foundation in mind, let's dig into the words of Jesus. We start in verse 53. That's where Jesus resumes His teaching, as we've said already, he's going to double down on this matter that he is, in fact, giving his flesh to eat. So he says in verse 53, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Pastor Boisclare, take us into verse 53. Yes. Um, And and so he he contrasts, uh, like, for instance, with the woman at the well, uh, he says, you know, she was coming to get water from the well in, in Sychar and in Samaria. And, and uh, he, he says, if you drink this water, uh, you know, you will thirst again, but I will give you living water, which uh, by which you will not thirst. And of course, uh, that that would be the Holy Spirit or, or the, uh, in other words, the, uh, all of the salvation that he has to offer. Uh, in this particular case uh, here, he's talking about himself. Uh, as being the, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Uh, and, and so he, he basically identified it at first with himself, but then he kind of gets more specific and talks about his, his flesh and his blood. And, uh, you know, if you eat, if they, you know, they were asking him to give them uh, bread from heaven, you know, uh, Moses gave uh, the children of Israel in the wilderness uh, bread from heaven. Now, uh, you know, if, if you're if you're going to claim that you're at least on an even level with him, uh, you, you would also uh, rain down bread from heaven. And Jesus says, you know, that's that's not uh, the the nourishment I'm talking about. And, and so he says, uh, you know, that that you will eat my flesh and drink my blood, and as, as you uh, mentioned it, is, is related to faith. And, and so he contrasts that. And, and you know, in a sense, it, it says, you know, if we have a faith which is there is no Jesus in our faith, uh, is it going to help us? No. Uh, it is only the faith in this Jesus, who is standing among, uh, standing in front of them, and and speaking of his uh, flesh and his uh, blood as being true and true food, we'll we'll see that in the next couple of verses. So, and I I think the reason you know that the flesh and blood, particularly, and this is the image that Jesus chooses. Certainly, there's the connection again that we started with the context of the feeding of the 5,000. So we've been thinking about bread, and Jesus, again, has been amplifying that teaching throughout to the point that he's talked about giving his flesh for the life of the world and now drinking his blood. So that I think the reason flesh and blood come come into play here with the matter of faith is because it's it's not only that that it is only from this Jesus standing in front of them that they will have life, but especially because this Jesus standing in front of them is the one who's going to go to the cross, where he's going to sacrifice that flesh and shed that blood for the life of the world. Again, thinking about this in terms of the faith first, I think that's the reason flesh and blood come into play is because Jesus is is inviting them to think about not only just him standing in front of them right now, but the fact that he will one day go to the cross to give that flesh and blood for the life of the world. That's I think that that helps me to kind of tie things together a little bit more. 
Oh, absolutely, because, yeah, the, the separation of flesh and blood happens in death, and in that, in, in that so he's pointing forward to his uh, offering himself as a uh, pure sacrifice to his father for the sins of the world, and, and that's, that is most definitely in view there. You know, as, as he says in the Lord's Supper, too, he says, as often as you eat, well, no, no, that's St. Paul, giving his, uh, uh, you know, Holy Spirit-inspired uh, understanding of it, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes again at the end, at right. the last word. Right, yep. so this this Jesus standing in front of them who's speaking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he is the one who's going to the cross to give that flesh and blood for the life of the world. And only through faith in this crucified and risen Jesus does that life come to you. It is through faith in him that you have this life in you. He's stated it in the, the negative way in verse 53. And then in verse 54, he turns it, states it positively, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. I think in that verse, Pastor Boyce Clare, we see something we've talked a little bit about already in John's Gospel in previous shows, that here to, to trust in Christ is to have eternal life right now, but it is also to have hope for eternal life in the resurrection on the last day. There's the, the now and the not yet here in, in John 6.54 as we've seen it elsewhere. Exactly. And, and um, th- this is, it's kind of like um, he's, he's giving you a pledge of, uh, you know, of his promise of everlasting life by uh, uh, giving us his flesh and blood to drink, eat and drink in the Lord's Supper. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it, it's, it's like uh, this is the same body and blood that, that was crucified for us that rose from the dead. You know, and, that, and that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of a very important point to remember about his body and blood, that it's not limited, that it can't be, uh, can't be completely consumed, that it's uh, always there for the people of God. And, and it's what, and, you know, and you, you can really see the, the um, fact that the Lord Jesus is uh, pinning all of this on, you know, uh, the, the life that we get from our uh, being in him. And, and this is the life of the church that, you know, this is so central to our life that, that we receive life from our precious Savior who gives himself uh, on the cross and also gives himself to us in his, uh, in his precious supper. Well, and since you mentioned the the precious supper, I was going to bring that up in this in these couple of verses as well. One of the best hymns in the Lutheran service book that I think draws the connection well from this text to the Lord's Supper. It's number six hundred forty two in Lutheran service book. O living bread from heaven, and I would encourage anyone to to take a look at this text because it's absolutely wonderful. But just a couple of of lines from this hymn in order to draw some connections to what Jesus is saying here in John 6. In stanza 2, toward the end of that stanza, we sing in this hymn, You have freely given what earth could never buy, the bread of life from heaven, that now I shall not die. And then into the very next stanza, stanza 3, You gave me all I wanted, this food can death destroy. I, I love that that move from stanza two to stanza three in that hymn about this victory over death that, again, we receive by faith in Christ, 
but is delivered very specifically in that body and blood that we eat and drink in the supper. See how those two things are, are connected, the faith then that receives the body and blood of Jesus in the supper, such that when we receive the supper in faith, we, we confess that this is a food that feeds us to eternal life, not just for this life, but for the next. Yes, uh, St. Ignatius called it the medicine of immortality. And and that and and we're pro, we're promised in in the Word of God in Second Peter, chapter one, where it says we will be partakers of the divine nature, which is of course the immortality that we have, that we will live forever with God. And as you, I think you very aptly pointed out that this is something we have here and now, but also, you know, there's the not yet that this is that this is our hope, which is to say faith in the future. Uh, eternal life in in fellowship with our our gracious God in 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 Christ our Lord. So whoever feeds on the flesh of Christ and drinks His blood has eternal life, and He will raise him up on the last day. Again, we have the promise of resurrection connected to Jesus as the bread of life. Then we come to verse fifty five, where Jesus says, "For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink." Pastor Boyskler, you were telling me during the break that this is a really important verse. Tell us why. What's what do we need to see from verse fifty-five? Well, uh, in the Reformation, of course, uh, there was uh, those that opposed the work righteousness of the Church of those days, and and uh, wanted to have a proper understanding of of that. Of, well, of course, about the Lord's Supper too, that it wasn't a uh, a sacrifice that we offer to God. Uh, that 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 actually it is the giving out of the gifts of the one sacrifice of the Son of God on the cross. Uh, one of, uh, I guess, uh, one of the theologians that I'd love to forget is a fellow by the name of Ulrich Swingley. Yes, uh, you know, he he said he he jumped down in, in this particular chapter and looked at uh, verse 63, where it says that the uh, you know the words words that I've speak uh, looking at that uh, it is the Spirit who gives life; the flesh is no help at all, and and so. Uh, the the thing is 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 that G- he would say, well, even if Jesus could give you his body and blood, it wouldn't be any good for you. It's not. It it it, it is uh, merely the flesh of a man, uh, you know, because obviously he 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 had a problem with uh, dividing the divine and human natures of Christ. Uh, that uh, that 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 when we're speaking, when whatever Jesus has, he has as a person who is the is the eternal. Uh, second person of the Trinity, he has a divine nature and he has a human nature. And, and, and it's because it is the life-giving flesh and blood of God the Son, it is true food and it is true drink. And, and so, and, and that, that, of course, Luther even points out the fact that because of the fact that he is God and man, God and a human being in one person, that his flesh and blood is life-giving. It is true food and it is true drink and it and it is and that of course is why it is um, it is infinite. In other words, as as many Christians over the centuries since our Lord uh, bef- after he ascended into heaven that have eaten and drunk in the Lord's Supper, uh, they're, they're still uh, his his body is intact. It's still there and 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 we continue to feed on him and get life from him. In relationship to what Jesus says here in verse 55 and how you were explaining that, Pastor Boyce Claire, I think another important verse is another one that comes from the, the pen of St. John as he recorded in his first epistle in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. 
He writes, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and this is the part I was thinking of, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Well, how can the blood of Jesus cleanse us from all sin? It is because it is the blood of Jesus who is God and man at the same time. He is the God-man, and so his blood can cleanse from sin. Just like here, his blood can be true drink. His blood can give eternal life because Jesus is God and man. That is why his blood can actually do this. It can cleanse from our sin, cleanse us from our sin. It's so that's so powerful, and it and it's. I mean, this is this is really at the center of our faith, and and you can see how this resonate. Or it picks up the you know what it does is it 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 emphasizes our confession of faith that in the Lord's Supper, in with and under the consecrated bread and wine, we eat the true, the real body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ in a sacramental or a supernatural way, but we eat it nonetheless, uh, and, and it is the source of, of our life in him. And, and so, so in this passage, I think, reinforces our, the, the, the doctrine of what we call the real presence of Christ's body and blood in his supper. Right. And, and again, this is where we talked about this last time, when we think about what we teach about the Lord's Supper, that it is his true body and blood, that is his real presence. Uh, we simply let our reason take the back seat. We don't place our reason over the text or over the words of Jesus, but rather we trust what the Lord says and let his words run the show for us. Uh, rather than, than reversing the order and placing our reason over the text, we simply listen to his words, we believe them, and let reason be a servant of the text rather than the master of the text. That's so That's so very important. Every Every Christian should should pay heed to that 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 our our reason is is to be minist a ministerial use or a servant use of our reason never a magisterial or a, a lording it over the word of god and and it's always to to um you know as saint paul even says you know he said i bring everything under subjection to christ you know my my reason my under my body everything and and uh, he is he is the lord of my life in verse 56, Jesus continues, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So Jesus continues to talk about the benefit of receiving his flesh and blood in faith. And now, rather than so much of the eternal life being the emphasis, although it's certainly connected, now Jesus speaks about abiding in him and, and he in you. Talk about this matter of, of abiding in Jesus and he abiding in us. Yes, uh, we we call that the mystic union. How we are we are well. We are as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Are clothed with Christ. We are in Christ. We're not only with Him or or under Him or or listening to Him. We are also in Him. And and notice it it says that you abide in Me. Now, if He it, obviously it's the living Savior that continues to uh, um, abide and and live forever. And and so. Uh, th- this, of course, is speaking about our being, um, you know, put into the body of Christ itself, the mystical, we call it the mystical body. That's why in the Lord's Supper, when uh, when you uh, and I uh, give God's people uh, his body, we say the true body of Christ, uh, that, that is something distinguished from the mystical body of Christ, which is the church. And and uh, that, so in, in a sense, it is, you know, we are, we are, uh, 
uh, brought into his body, which is the church, and we abide with him there, and, and we will abide with him in, in the church on earth and in the church in heaven. And he is the living Lord. He is not, you know, even though his body and blood, uh, his flesh and blood are being uh, uh, eaten and drunk in the sacrament, yet he is also uh, alive, and there is also an abundant source of life for us in, in, his, in his mystical body, the church. I appreciate how you're reminding us here that Jesus is the living one because we are abiding in him and he is abiding us. He is He is the living one so that this passage in which we're talking about Jesus as the crucified one, certainly the one who gives his flesh and blood for the life of the world, is also the risen one. He is the living Savior. So in within this speech from John 6, Jesus' discourse here in the synagogue of Capernaum, he's not only pointing to his own crucifixion, but later to, but also to his resurrection. He is the living one, and so we do abide in him and he in us. And this is a, a big theme in the Gospel of John, this matter of abiding with Jesus or staying with Jesus or remaining with Jesus. It even goes all the way back to, to chapter 1. We talked about this when when in the text in John 1, Jesus first calls Andrew and probably John, the other disciple, and, and they want to remain with him. They want to stay with him. And we talked about how that, that thought of remaining with Jesus continues throughout this gospel. We see it here in connection with his, his flesh and blood. We're going to see it later that this is so important, not, to, not just to come to Jesus once, but actually to remain with him, to abide with him, because he is the only source of life. And if we were to cut ourselves off from him, or if he were to, to be cut off from us in some way, we would have no life. But because he does stay with us and we with him, then we continue to have this life. And again, we, we certainly know that happens through his words. That will be made plain throughout the gospel. But again, it also happens in the sacrament, that when we receive the body and blood of Jesus in the sacrament, that's one way that he abides in us and we abide in him. That's so precious. And, and uh, later, of course, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Unless you abide in me, you can do nothing. Uh, and, and, uh, and so that, that's, in other words, he's, he's always using these pictures for people to, their faith to be enriched and strengthened about uh, what it means to live in Christ mm. and with Christ that's and right. with God. Right. Okay. And that's, and that's exactly where Jesus takes us next. So in, in verse 56, again, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. So there's that Christ and us. But then in verse 57, as the living father sent me and I live because of the father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. Now Jesus, again, brings his father into the, his teaching. Talk about what he's saying in verse 57. Well, obviously, this refers to our Lord Jesus as as a man, as man. Uh, Any time in the scriptures where it, you know it is said that Jesus receives something from the Father, um, it, it is always according to his human nature. And and as we you know, so this when he talks about the life giving nature of his flesh and blood, this call this really directs us to his incarnation. Uh, that that uh, he that his his human nature is brought into the unity of his person, and and and, and as that so in in a sense it is the uh, just in the same way as as he as the son of man as the savior is given all judgment because he is the son of man as as witnessed in and Daniel so also here uh, as as the Messiah as the uh, the man 
Jesus Christ. The living Father gives, uh, he, he lives because of the Father, and then he is also life-giving through his human nature uh, to, to uh, the world. And, and so that, that, that kind of points, points out that, that how, he, uh, how the Lord has planned and how the Lord establishes our salvation in our Savior. Right, this close connection between the Father and the Son is again made evident in verse 57. We heard Jesus speak about this in the previous text where they were grumbling about who Jesus was, and they said, we know who his Father is, we know Joseph, we know his mother too, thinking that that enables them to know Jesus perfectly. Jesus, we saw in the text yesterday, told them the truth about his Father, and here again he emphasizes that, so that because of that close connection between the Father and the Son, and now Jesus in his incarnation. Again, whoever feeds on the Son, he will live because of Jesus. So this is the living bread from heaven, as the hymn says, that this bread gives us life, and not just life now, but life eternally. And again, I think that's where Jesus is headed there in verse 58, as he says, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. This sounds like things that Jesus has said already. What is what is Jesus reminding us there in verse fifty eight? Yes, uh, you know he he's saying that um, uh, you know I think he's pointing them forward that that uh, they since now uh, God's promise uh, to His people and to the world has been fulfilled in the uh, incarnation, the birth, and uh, the life, death, and resurrection of His precious Son, that uh, He He is, uh, you know, if we want to have life with God, we are to be in Jesus, uh, and Jesus, and and Jesus will say, um, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me." Sometimes, uh, in the church today, uh, there are those who are very, uh, let's say, ecumenical or may, maybe uh, open-minded. Might say, "Well, he, yeah, he's the way, the truth, and the life." But then they omit what he says: "No one comes to the Father except through me." Um, and and so. In, in in this particular case, it just points to him as the God-man who who is the uh, source of life, a uh, source of life eternal for for all who would uh, come to God by by the grace of God's Holy Spirit through Word and Sacrament, and um, uh, and and, and that, what a promise! Mm. You know, you will live forever. And that's and that's not only not only in a spiritual sense or not only in a in maybe a ghostly sense or whatever we will we will be raised from the dead. He he constantly mentions that, uh, and that uh, we will live forever with God, according to both body and soul. Right. the The resurrection from the dead on the last day has been explicitly mentioned by Jesus on several occasions in this discourse here in John chapter 6, and certainly is in view in our section as well. And, you know, even the thought of the fact that this is food for the body, I think is is brought in in verse 58, because he makes that contrast that we've heard him make before, you know, what is this bread that came down from heaven? For his listeners, they're first and foremost thinking of the manna that came down from heaven. But again, Jesus calls for this contrast. Think about the bread that they ate, the manna. They ate it, and it sustained their bodies for a time, but they did die. And Jesus is saying, here in me, in my flesh and blood, you now have food that will sustain your body forever. And and though that body will one day die, 
he will raise that body from the last from the dead on the last day. And 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 it's kind of like um, as as much of a kind of death, of course, is said to be the last enemy in in the in the Word of God, and and he overcomes death. You know that that last enemy is destroyed. He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so it's it it it's so powerful as a promise that that he gives to us that that he is the source of our life and um and, and in that in this particular sense too it's 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 like um uh, you know where where people uh receive his word and and you know again it, it, uh, they they still have it it's still a problematic for them to believe that's right and in verse 59 St. John reminds us that Jesus has been saying all of these things in the synagogue there in Capernaum. We've had that context in mind all along. Here is where St. John actually mentions it for us. And then in the text that we will look at next week on Monday, we will see the aftermath. What What is the, the reaction? How are How is Jesus going to kind of wrap things up? What will people think about him from this bread of life discourse that he's been giving here at the synagogue? in Capernaum. Pastor Boisclair, we got about two minutes here on the morning. Help us to wrap things up on this section of John chapter 6. Give us the good news that is ours to know that Jesus is the bread of life. Absolutely. And and that's that's why, as, as, as you mentioned uh, in the, it would be the gospel from uh, uh, yesterday. Oh, I'm sorry, not yesterday. It, it's uh, from, from uh, Sunday, the second Sunday uh, after the Epiphany. Is that uh, these disciples wanted to be with Jesus? I, I can't. When when we read such uh, words of life, and and we have such an invitation and such a powerful promise that that uh, uh, that that kind of defies death itself, we should want to spend as much time as we can with our Lord Jesus uh, by um, you know reading reading of Him and reading His Word and and reading the all of the Word of God in Scripture and our prayers to Him. And and in our and our uh, regular and and active attendance in, in church, um, not to say that 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 uh, is is the the factor is only the faith, but uh, you know we we don't we want to get all of this life, all of this forgiveness, all of this love uh, that that He has for us in in such a very sad and and broken world and 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 in lives that are that are so. Uh, tortured at times. You know, they have the source of life in this precious Savior. Uh, thank God for this indescribable gift, as St. Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Pastor David Boisclair is pastor at Bethesda and Faith Lutheran Churches in North St. Louis County, helping us today with John chapter 6, verses 52 to 59. Pastor Boisclair, thanks for being our guest today. Yes, and it's a blessing to all of us. Thank, thank you also for Sharper Iron. Christ is the living bread from heaven, and he feeds us better than any other food. He sustains us by his body and his blood for eternal life. We receive him in faith so that we have that life now and on the last day when he raises us from the dead. We receive that body and blood very particularly when we receive the Lord's Supper this food can death destroy. Thanks be to God. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. If you have any questions, send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week. <laughs>